We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. and welcome back to the Ground and Pound Premium Podcast. I am your host, Sean, PSU Fans 2 Newsham. Joining me, as always, is Mike H3 Buddha Brown. Mike, how are you doing on this lovely day? Well, we're looking to get the beat down on our opponents here for this massive card, 261, three title fights. Think it's been as high as 15 fights, Sean? Already down to 13. What are you going to do, okay? A couple people getting sick already. Um, hopefully, uh, we stay together here at 13 and knock on wood, all the title fights stay. It's an interesting card. Uh, a lot of different directions you can go. Uh, I think it's really cool too, to have three title fights on the first round of the, um, MMA qualifier. We have a bunch of Roto grinders, people in there, friends of the Roto grinders. We have our buddy there squirrel and he's got a multiple seats. I'm pretty sure in the qualifier I'm in it as well. Uh, you know, a couple of the other guys, fans of, uh, Roto grinders, you know, Chips, War Metals, Wise Guys, Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu's done some content with uh, Brett over the years. GQ, Y2 Casey, and Big Marley. Big Marley's been on uh, here, Roto Grinders, with uh, Apley a bunch of times. Yeah, a bunch of good guys. We're all in there battling it out. Remember in that one, kind of think about uh, cash game, right? You know, 100 goes down to 50, Sean. 50 goes down to 25. And then it's a, a free-for-all, right? You got to kind of go crazy. But uh, you don't want to, you know, 
go nuts on the first round. I think it's really interesting, though, with having these three title fights, many different ways you can go. Um, but I love this card. You know, when you have three round, uh, three five round fights, it really adds a wrinkle to the whole card. Um, you know, especially having fights with five rounds that are expected to go to the decision too. Um, it provides you know that stacking opportunity that we normally wouldn't completely go towards. Um, we have some older guys. I was talking pre-card to Sean about um, the Asian market. They're trying to definitely penetrate that market because I think they're going to go. China after you know this COVID stuff is completely done here uh it's open up over there so they have you know three Asian fighters back to back making their debuts I think that's kind of what they're trying to do here um we're going to try to get through the card as fast as we possibly can Sean but uh you know it, it is a fun card to break down yeah no there's a lot more going on uh this week than there normally is so hopefully you guys enjoy everything we have for you um good news we have a another listener league that we will post uh, the details for in the Discord. Uh, we'll give more information about that as we go. Hopefully the same person doesn't win again, despite how amazing they are. We, let's hope we can spread some love and someone else can can take down that, that elite person, right, Mike? Yeah, it's rigged. And the, the best part is it's so rigged, he was sleeping during the last fight and the big underdog wins. I, I was sleeping during the last four fights. I was <laughs> I was one and one when I went to bed and, and woke up with a win. But uh, yes, yeah, so we're going to have a listener league. We also have a sponsor for this show, which can get you guys a great deal for Monkey Night Fight, which we will bring up later in our show as well. So I think those are all the bits of information. So we will get started here. Uh, first fight to start the night, we have Rong Zhu versus Kazula Vargas. Um, Zhu has the best odds to get a finish on the entire slate, almost 50%. And they have a massive uh, favorite upside projection, one that is right up there with the higher end three round fights we see. So, Mike, what do you like with this fight? Yeah, so I don't know what they're going to do with the order here in the beginning. I know Rong Zhu is uh, definitely in a smash spot here. Um, they could put the women's fight first. I've seen different orders, so always keep an eye out on that. But uh, yeah, Rong Zhu is definitely one of these Asian prospects, I guess you can say prospects, um, that is trying to make a name for himself here. Uh, coming in against Vargas, who Vargas last time out, I mean, he seems like an action fighter. I think the big thing is, I always, even on these cards that we have 13 fights, we have to be targeting these fights that have action labeled on them i think there should be some action this guy um totally seems like he's kill or be killed he was putting it on brock weaver last time out um he's basically that uh, historical like boxer keep it range but you know he's got some pressure to him i think zoo is the one who's going to be bringing the pressure to vargas i think he does clearly do, uh have some more power than vargas i think vargas would be more you know volume at range um, the big thing for me is, like you said, it's that value on Zoo. He got uh, the most opportunity, according to Vegas, to finish this fight inside the distance, and he's not even the highest-priced guy. Um, we'll talk about it through this card. How do you build your lineups, right? Um, are you going to build your lineups with, hey, people are going to start their lineups with, like, an Usman, but right away you start building with Zoo. If he finds a first-round finish, you're just going to be – uh, loving it. Uh, you know, there's different ways to go. Now let's talk about Vargas. I think he's an interesting play. Uh, 7,100. He opens up a lot of things. There's not a ton of dogs. I really would say I love, I think there's dogs that will score. Um, I think that upside means more in a card like this than the actual 
money line side of things. You know, I think there's that mid range that have, presents some upside. Vargas is just interesting. I mean, he seems like a guy, like I said, that likes action. Um, questionable last time out with that knee that uh, got him disqualified. And I think that's why the betting line is the way it is. You know, I'm, if for some reason, you know, you look at it, uh, it maybe should be a little bit closer than it is with rung being a uh, minus two fifty, And like you said, he, he strongly is inside the distance because he seems like an action fighter and Vargas is very middling. Like I said, he's not very good. Um, yeah. It, it definitely seems like a fight. I'm going to target both of these guys. It makes sense. I'm going to be looking at zoo first, um, but there should be some interesting leverage, a little bit of leverage on Vargas. Um, if people, you know, are going to play a card like this and they immediately put zoo in because, Hey, uh, he's got the best inside the distance. There might be other spots where we, we might be able to get some grappling upside. So um, definitely Zoo, a guy I'm going to look at. Vargas, I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit. But um, yeah, let's uh, keep it rolling. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Every time we have three main events, that ends up being three five-round fights. So you have a situation where you have guys that will be less owned compared to what they would normally be on a normal card. So Definitely something to do. And as Mike mentioned, yeah, make sure you are checking out for the schedule. Uh, it may be different than what we give as an order, but that's just the nature of the beast with everything changing all the time with COVID. So, all right, on to the next fight. We have Dana Batagaral versus Kevin Natividad. Um, the top end of this card has a lot of amazing fighters, but the bottom of this card has some other insane fighters that just are not great uh, as we've sort of talked about with a lot of people that are coming in for their first fight. So um, this fight looks to be pretty not great to me on either side. Do you see anything differently, Mike? Yeah. You know, I mean, I agree with this. Um, I think it's two strikers and we are just on repeat. It's uh, rinse and repeat every single card out. I'm always going to bring up the high opportunity for these fights to go to the decision and it being a striking fight. We just can't possibly really, be targeting these guys without the upside. We see on every card, Sean, that the, the these dogs have to be finishing their opponent or having a dominant performance. Um, Batagral is an interesting case. Like he should win this fight, but I just think that it's based upon volume. You look at his stats; he's throwing out five point six six significant strikes per minute. Then you look at it coming back on the Nectividad scene. Man, he's absorbing damage. He's getting hit. 3.74 significant strikes. That's really a glaring issue for me. So I do really think that, um, you know, Bettegraal wins the decision here. It's a fight that I don't have a ton of interest. The thing I would be interested in is if I knew that Nativi Dad would try to grapple, he's going to have a full camp under his belt this time. I think that's the big thing, um, you know, really kind of like the X factor of this fight. Last time out, he came on, I believe it was six days notice against Miles Johns. Really tough opponent, really tough stylistic matchup for him. Um, he would get out grappled in that fight. Um, you know, Batagral is like one dimensional. He's really not going to be trying to grapple. He's going to be trying to strike. And uh, again, Vegas again says, hey, Batagral got a knockout last time. Natividad got knocked out last time. Well, you know, he's going to get a knockout. That's just not simply how it works. Um, I, like I say, I think Natividad's got a better chin than we saw in that first round. Uh, sorry, that first fight. And, um, you know, heck, if he's able to somehow implement some grappling, which I do think he probably has better grappling than Batagral, um, maybe that does negate itself, and then it ends up being a fight against the cage. That's my big concern. I don't see a huge amount of upside in this fight, um, and that's why I really don't want to target a fight like this on a massive card with 13 fights and those five-rounders. Definitely. And, and something that 
I would say is most of these pay-per-view fights and cards, we're not seeing these type of fighters on them where there's just very weak fighters. This is something that's not even happened, even with the congestion we've seen. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and, and like you said, and we said leading into it, it's this Asian market they're trying to penetrate. It's like, um, I, I don't want to say like it's a bad thing, but Asian uh, Chinese prospects have never really shined until we had the Wiley Zhang that's in um, the one of the five round title fights that she looks like she's going to be a champion for the next like geez years um, per, perhaps but um, uh, they're just not you know wrestlers Sean they're not great at you know scrapping out a win they're just there to kind of stand and trade and that's historically what you see you think of these Brazilian guys jiu-jitsu Sean uh, American wrestling um, that's the problem. And that's why you get this watered down um, fighting where it's both, you know, like I say, we're, we're targeting fights that have action. And then we're going to have to target both sides of it. Obviously, we distribute how we know how we have an edge if we know that we can garner ownership against the fighter. Um, if I knew, you know, for instance, that Natavi Dodd would go in there and nail three or four takedowns, I'd be targeting him. That's why I think he's in play, Sean, but it's such a lower percentage outcome i don't want to target that in the long run yeah definitely makes sense all right on to the next fight which again uh looks very poor to me it looks like probably the worst fight on the card uh moneyball 16 agrees he has this as the 13th of 13 fights target uh patrick sabatini versus tristan conley uh this is sabatini's ufc debut well conley is one and oh um it is expected to go to decision quite frequently so do you see anything that you can pick out of this one mike yeah, that's the thing here. Again, another striker type fight here. Um, I have that the big X factor in this fight for me is Tristan Connolly. Um, he is coming down a weight division so late in his career. We just saw that happen with Sam Alvey, and he didn't have success. I thought he would have size in that fight. I wonder if Tristan will, um, you know, have a little size, a little bit. Um, that's the big X factor for me. I think Sabatini is more well rounded. Um, that's the big thing. He originally was going to come into a fight, Sabatini, and be late notice, and he was a big dog. Um, he's been a champion in outside promotions. He's well-rounded. He's got a wrestling base. He's that type of historical fighter that's like that American guy, that American-type wrestling base striker. That's what is almost foolproof in matchups. When you have a Connolly type of guy who's his best attributes, his durability, his cardio, and um, – you know, I guess you can say striking is, is a bit of his advantage, but I just think Sabatini's youth will win him in this fight here. Um, I think he's kind of like a small secondary punt upside. No one's going to go to him. 8,800, um, a guy that has that wrestling base. What happens if Connolly has a crappy weight cut and Sabatini just takes him down at will? Those points are going to be racking up fantastic for us. Um, we'd love to see that. Um, but like you said, the betting on side of things – um, I don't love the, that side of things. It's only a minus one, uh, 220. There's better, stronger plays above Sabatini, like I mentioned. Um, and, you know, plus 255 to finish. That's what we're looking for. We want finishers. On, on a card like this where, like I say, that there's a lot of wrestling-type fighters mixed in with those finishers, um, I don't really have a huge amount of interest. I actually, I would say, personally, I have a little bit more interest if Connolly makes weight. Make sure you look at weigh-ins. All, these, all the news will come out later on Friday that everyone makes weight. I think Connolly, if he looks good, I might take some punts at him because he will have win equity a little bit more than normal uh, if he does come into this fight in shape because I think he could have durability. And if Sabatini blows his load, 
by trying to grapple, I think Connolly can take over late and outstrike him the further the fight goes. For sure. All right, on the next side, this one appears to be a bit better fight targets me. Uh, we got Brendan Allen versus Carl Roberson. These fighters are effectively tied if the fight makes it to a decision, but Allen has added upside if it ends early. Um, it seems like it could be a decent one to target, so which ones do you like here, Mike? Both guys. It's it's hard to ignore both guys on a slate like this. Um, th this is one of those fights I always historically say, you know, you've got to be looking at right away. Um, there's grappling, there's striking, there's multiple ways that this fight can go. And I really think that it is an elite fight on a card like this, where whoever scores in this fight is going to score just so damn well for what their salaries are. 8,400 on the Allen side, 7,800 on Robertson. Uh, Robertson's one of those guys that I don't like when he's taken down at will and he's, he's on his back. It's just not good. He's almost like a fish out of water. Um, people are able to implement their will. Um, it's, it's, it's not good, but I think he's kind of like an X factor on this card at 7,800, man, if he finishes Allen and, you know, we've seen Allen, the later the fight goes, man, he looks like he's gassing out. It's weird outside of the UFC. He had a decent gas tank and uh, he could go the three rounds and hold, uh, hold up pretty well. Um, I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get Robertson down at will and be able to find that success that we hope he does. Uh, he's, he's definitely a strong play. I mean, minus 155 fantastic at that price point at 8400 but even better is the plus 140 inside the distance um you look at the other side robertson i think he could have success on the feet plus 240 um not bad at all i like to punt with guys that have upside i'm probably going to be a little bit more on robertson than allen because i'm hoping the general public are going to get behind the allen you know we've seen the allen allen brothers both of them um kind of be the um the new toy per se that everybody wants to play with um, I, I just wonder about the grappling side of things. What happens if it negates itself? I mean, there's a small percentage that both of these guys stand and trade and, um, maybe durability comes into play a little bit more than it should. Um, it's just, Allen's been absorbing quite a bit of damage on the feet, almost five significant strikes per minute. It, again, it's not sustainable. That's one of the first stats. When I break down a fight, I look at is stripes absorbed because you can't be sustainable by uh, getting hit more than what you're putting out. He's putting out three and a half and he's getting hit five. That's just not good for Allen. Um, you know, both of them have the 50% takedown defense. I really think it does come down to who gets that top position. That's going to be huge for him. Uh, this fight, Robertson being the Southpaw, I think has that high kick too. I think that'll come into play. Definitely an elite fight to target. I'm, I like Robertson for that small little uh, salary savings at 7,800. But um, yeah, definitely a fight I'm going to be having a lot of in this card. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, the next fight, we have Dwight Grant versus Stefan Sekulik. Um, Grant wins are expected to be a lot shorter than Sekulik's, which makes him be more appealing. Yeah, definitely. That's the big thing. Grant is an interesting case here. Um, he is a strong play pretty much uh, on any card that he's fighting on because he fights at such a high pace. It's a striking-based heavy hands. Um, last time out was just, I, I thought it was an awesome fight against Daniel Rodriguez. He hurt Rodriguez in that fight. Both guys got knockdowns. Um, Rodriguez knocked him down more times and knocked him out. Um, um, then Grant, um, you know, it, it's, we know what Daniel Rodriguez says. He stands in the pocket and trades. He's got heavy hands, but you know, uh, Grant is willing to do that. And when he's going to have such a huge advantage on the feet, I think he will be able to shine. I think it, this fight obviously very clearly comes down to Sekulitz's 
um, durability. If, he, if he's able to hold up, I think this fight just busts as a whole. There's no way in hell this fight scores very well if Sekulitz holds up. Um, again, both guys have decent records, you know, uh, Sekulitz being 10 and 3 and, uh, you know, uh, Grant being 12 and 3. You know, both of these guys uh, have sustainability in the UFC. I just worry about uh, Dwight. Does he gas out? I mean, he, he kind of puts the pedal to the metal if he finds his opponent hurt or if he finds success on the feet. He pushes forward and he can, tends to gas out a teeny bit. So if Sekulich can hang in there, it would be interesting. I just don't think that even if Sekulich wins, I don't think it's going to be enough like leverage. I don't think it would be a huge score. I think he kind of just grinds out a, a eh win, and I don't think that's going to be enough. So, you know, Grant is certainly a play on this card. Um, it's just, I, I don't know, he's in a tricky spot. You know, 9,200, you have main event pieces around him, Sean. People aren't going to want to press a guy that's not going to get five rounds. Um, plus 110 inside the distance. It's because he's got the heavy hands, like I said, but, you know, it's not like a guy that's like minus 150, right, Sean? You know, I mean, if it was minus 150, I'd be looking at him a little bit stronger than a guy that's a little bit higher than a 50-50 shot at finishing inside the distance on a card like this. Definitely. I mean, yet you will see guys that are more expensive not really be utilized due to five there being five-round fights that will take precedence over them. So it's definitely a good way to get leverage in those GPPs if you do something like that. All right, next fight, we have Randy Brown versus Alex Oliveira. Uh, this fight's rescheduled from a couple months ago. Um, neither of these guys really are going to have tons of upside here, so I'm not really enthused about this fight. Do you see anything you like out of this one, Mike? Yeah, I, this is one of the ones that's really interesting because both of these guys like really need a win in the UFC. I mean, Alex Cowboy Oliveira has been a fantastic, fun fighter um, over his career. Um, you know, as much as we joke about, you know, he's got like uh, 13 kids from five different wives on his block um, in the favelas of Brazil. Um, he's got he's, he's well-rounded. I mean, he's got a little bit of everything. Not fantastic anywhere. Um, I, I think he might have a little bit of a BJJ edge against Brown. Um, I, I worry about Brown's durability. Um, you know, he, we've seen him hurt in the past, um, and that's not something I like to see long term. Um, it, it, it just, this type of fight to me screams dog or pass just based upon the salaries. Again, Randy's in one of those situations where um, at 8,700, you're going to be needing a finish. I think 85 to 86 is where you're okay with winning points, but we're going to need finishes at this rate. Um, you know, the big thing is he should be able to have success in the feet. The 3.6 significant strikes per minute um, is okay. It's good. Um, this takedown defense, 70%, not going to be bad. I just worry about Oliveira's, um, the longer the fight goes, he's been gassing out. Um, you know, he might win a round. He could scratch out a win uh, the second round, even if he's able to, you know, do uh, – just enough on the ground to keep it from being stood up. I think he could win some rounds 7,500. I'm willing to take some punts on him. Um, that win equity keeps going down. He's plus 125. Um, last time out, he was, um, I guess he got some poor news about one of the health of one of his kids. So he wasn't in the right mind space. He said, and he didn't look great. He missed weight. Um, again, I think I'm going to wait and see how he looks on the scale and how the face-off really looks to this fight for me to really kind of hone in and see what I'm going to do on a fight like this. But again, plus 190 for Brown. He's he's in play. He's just not a strong play on a card like this that has so many different options. For sure. All right, next fight, we got Jimmy Crute versus Anthony Smith. 
Uh, Crew could rack up a lot of takedowns here. Smith has really struggled to defend takedowns. So I think Jimmy Crew has a decent chance to put up a pretty good score here. Um, I think he's one of the better plays on the slate for a five-round fight. Do you agree with that take, Mike? Yeah, and that's the big thing. This is where we have the edge, Sean, is on when we have these grapplers that grapple at such a heavy, heavy um, pace, and we know that they're going to go out there and try to attempt almost five takedowns for 15 minutes. That's what we like to see. Then you add in, God, this guy is evolving. His striking is getting better. Um, he's almost four and a half significant strikes per minute. He's not even absorbing damage because most of the time he's taking his opponents down, but he's not getting hit. It's almost two strikes per minute. So it's those types of things where obviously Smith has probably better credentialed striking. The guy clearly has poor takedown defense, 51% takedown defense. This looks like a smash spot on paper for me. I just think Kroot will be able to implement his will and kind of, chip away uh, early at him, maybe have some success on the feet, move in, get that takedown, boom, we're right, we're racking up a ton of points. I think Crook could go overlooked. I hope to God he goes overlooked on a card like this. 8,900 is a direct path to points for us. Um, I, I just think that in Crook's wins, he's going to score so darn well that we're going to love it. And let's look at, you know, Crook's loss. I mean, the loss against Misha Serkinov, that's a guy who can reverse you. Once it's on the mat, he can reverse you. Once he's got top position, you're done. The guy is just an ace on the ground. And I think he learned from that fight. He knows not to um, get in spots where he can get reversed. Anthony Smith's not that guy. That guy is going to just flop on his back, and he's not really going to give a lot off his back. He's going to hope it gets back up, you know, stall out on the ground. But Crute's smart enough to keep moving on the ground, keep advancing, keep getting elbows, keep striking on the mat that I think we could even find a finish on the ground. I really like Crude on this card. I think he's a guy that can completely break the card open, um, you know, compared to those high, high 9K guys. Um, you know, his wins, you know, 117, 138. These are all first-round finishes, you know. It, even if it goes to the decision, I think it's a dominant win. I think he can blanket him for 10 minutes, which is a great floor for us for those, uh, you know, control points. But I think he's going to be able to get strikes and, you know, mix in maybe, maybe Smith gets up once or twice. We'd love that. And Crute just rinse, repeat, get those takedowns. So again, I really like Crute on a card like this, but um, did we miss two fights in the beginning here, Sean? I, I, we're, we're ripping through the card here. We're almost to, you know, the last couple, but we had two fights that I, I, I didn't get to see yet. Uh, the uh, Jeff Molina and the Ariane Carolsi. Um, if you want to bang out those two real quick, uh, I'd be happy to do so, but uh, I, I, I think you probably scrolled down and missed those two. You are correct. I had my spreadsheet scroll down to where it was below those. So, hey, we, it, hey, they're so poor. We probably don't even want to go. Uh, they're, they're not the best. Although the, the, the Carnalosi and Lang, which we'll start with. So yeah. we have Ariana Carnalosi versus Na Lang. Uh, it's expecting to be a shockingly short fight for women's yeah. fight. Um, so this could actually be a fight to target. And Moneyball 16 has this as the best non-main event to target on the slate. What do you think, Mike? How many cards, Sean, do we get dealt a hand where um, we have a fighter that's expected strong inside the distance um, in under, you know, under the, the threshold you think should be? Carolosi is minus 110 to finish this fight inside the distance at 8,600. I think everybody's going to be clicking her name, and rightfully so. Lang has been fighting just the bottom barrel uh, Asian fighters oversee it, it, it's Carl fight really to lose it does make a lot of sense on paper I wonder about the striking aspect of this fight that's the only slight concern I have 
Uh, Naliang comes in with a six inch reach advantage. A little bit of concern there for me, but you know, hey, stuff happens, okay? I think Conor Losi is a smart fighter. She can get top position. She just got her black belt in BJJ recently. It's her sophomore outing. She knows what she's got to do in the octagon. She's already made that walk. How many times have we seen these fighters come in? Like Liang is this fighter that has been rolling over just absolute crap competition. Her last fight out, how many times do you see a fighter come into the UFC coming off of a win against a zero and zero opponent? Almost you know, probably 1% of fighters. There's no way that happens. Um, and I just don't see her having success on the mat. She obviously have to get top positions against Conor And it's just, Conor is such a strong play on a card like this. It's obvious. Minus 220, 8,600. She's the value play of the week, Sean. Like, we're, I keep saying it. We get dealt these hands every single card. Long-term, we have to be playing these types of fighters, Sean. But um, I just don't even know how Liang scores over three rounds. Um, she'd definitely be an insane leverage if she does win this fight, but uh, minus 110, 8,600, give me that all day. Definitely, for sure. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Ori Klang versus Jeff Molina. This fight looks like a stinker. I'm going to keep it short. Do you see anything that would be different than that viewpoint? Not really. Um, like you said, it's it's kind of like stuck in a range, you know, the 8,200 8, for Iori and 8,000 for Molina. It's stuck where you're going to need these guys to be dominant to pay off that 8,000. 8, like they need to um, control against the cage, get those takedowns um, because I think it's going to be a striking affair. I think Molina comes from the better solid camp. Um, I think he'll have volume on the feet. I think that's the big thing for me. Molina is more technical on the feet than um, Aori. Aori will push forward. He's a little bit of a wild man. He's kind of like the big X factor finish upside guy. I would say Aori cause he's just, He's not very uh, refined or technical. He just kind of goes for it in there. Um, I think that we could see success from Molina. Um, I think Molina will probably close. It's like minus 130. I think you'll see some more steam on him. We've seen some steam already on him. And I think that's what, where people are going to go. You know, people are going to say 8,000. I don't need a lot for him to pay off. Um, I wonder if maybe he does like knock him down or find this somehow this wave finds it to the mat and Aori's kind of exploited on the ground. That's kind of how I see it in my head. But um, again, this is your classic flyweight fight. I like to over a long term. I love targeting flyweight fights because they're just the weight division dictates a lot of durability and a lot of strikes. It's just, you know, staying in the pocket and trade or scramble for takedowns find those top positions so you know i do like molina here i think he's an interesting play at eight thousand, and that's why i i probably will be clicking his name and again it's not a lot of points it's plus 380 to finish inside the distance from molina versus iori's plus 430 so um you know a dog with slight upside i guess not really plus 380 not a lot we'd like to look at but um yeah i mean that's uh, that's where i stand on those two so you know although we blew through these two pretty quickly i do think there's some interest in these two uh first fights of the night definitely all right now we can revert back to where we were before my mistake uh we have uriah hall versus chris weidman uh, Hall is a small underdog in this fight. However, he's quite a bit more likely to get a finish in this fight. So I think you're going to see quite a bit of people play him. Uh, do you like him at all here, Mike, or do you like Weidman at all? Um, you know, this is one of the interesting ones on the card because it's two veterans that we know what their game plans are. We know what they want to do when they get in the octagon. Um, I, I really, really think that Weidman needs to get this thing to the mat and get it to the mat pretty quickly. Um, I just, I also think that, um, you know, Uriah Hall 
has fight ending power throughout the entire fight. Um, we saw him last time. Anderson, he retired Anderson Silver. It's crazy to say that Uriah Hall is the guy to do it, but um, you know, he's got flashy kicks. He's got heavy hands and it, and it stays a lot. What has been Weidman's problem? Weidman just doesn't have a chin. Um, so, I mean, his real direct path is going to be get this fight to the mat as fast as possible. Let's talk about like, you know, win equity wise, you know, Weidman's minus 125 range. It's been flip-flopping all week. I think, you know, that name value builds in, you know, Weidman, oh, this guy was champion. Why is he undervalued here? Um, I, I really do think that um, Weidman can land takedowns. You look at Hall's historical um, fights, it's 70% takedown defense pretty much. But man, you know, he's getting taken down by guys like Antonio Carlos Jr., that's not good at all. You don't want to see that. We saw that he has subpar wrestling. When you're taking on a state champion and like Chris Weidman, um, that's just not good to see. Um, I just, uh, I, I think this is an interesting fight to target, but I worry about the bus potential, Sean. What happens if these two guys stalemate and it ends up being a kickboxing match for three rounds? We, we could see this fight bust. That's why I think it is kind of like a dog or pass because, you know, Weidman, took the path of least resistance last time out by implementing his wrestling again, which is what we want to see. Um, just God, don't get caught, Chris. Um, we've seen him hurt so many times. So I do like this fight to target. Um, it's just, it, it's stuck in an interesting range where um, I, I, I don't know if I really can pull the trigger. No, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense. All right, everybody, we are going to head off into the three main events now. And just so that we can go over everything, Mike, do you have anything else you wanted to add with that last fight? Uh, no, no, no. We was, I was going to talk about the monkey knife fight, but uh, I was also gonna, just going to say check the chat log too. Um, but yeah, take the read. Gotcha. All right. So we have a special sponsor for this fight. Uh, and you guys, some of you may have heard of them. Some of you may have not. Hopefully you will be interested after today. Uh, and that is monkey knife fight. And now through April 30th, when you make your first deposit on Monkey Night Fight, we'll instantly match it up to $100. That means twice as much fun and twice as much cash you can win uh, with the use of Roto or uh, the code Grinders. So for anyone that wants to get access to that, go to monkeyknifefight.com. When you go to sign up, type in the code Grinders and they'll match $100 for you instantly with that sign-up bonus. So great promotion. I hope everyone goes over and checks out what the guys over at Monkey Knife Fight have to get started with. So we will get heading into the main events here and we'll give you a couple tips and picks with Monkey Knife Fight in mind as well when we're doing it. So the first of the three main events that we have here is Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade. Uh, it's the first of the three five-round fights. Andrade's fights are typically fought at an extremely high DFS pace. Uh, so it looks like there should be quite a bit of fantasy goodness in this. Uh, but Mike, why don't you get started? And why don't you give your thoughts on the monkey knife fight side of this fight? And then we'll give the DFS picks as well. Yeah. Monkey knife fight, man. I love this, Sean. Uh, we talked about it pre uh, going on live here. Uh, I love that we're going against the house. I mean, everybody wins when we do that. Right. I hate going against these pros, these, these guys that get better and better. They have these systems and, you know, you're constantly getting these awesome old guys, these squirrel patrols. They're just taking over the lobbies. Monkey knife fights. One of those places where we can team up and go against the house. 
I love this spot on monkey knife fight because of the pace. Like you said, um, both of these ladies, uh, I, this five round fight, you're getting a great floor. I think 61 and a half is very low for both of these ladies. Um, let's just, you know, look at, you know, historically Valentina doesn't strike at a huge rate, um, which is a little bit concerning, but I think that she can get, um, some top position and get those significant strikes from us for us, um, over five rounds. Look at some of her wins. She's had 89 significant strikes when there's a willing partner to trade with her, which Andrade will sit in the pocket and trade with you all day long. And I think she'll, that's, she's got volume striking Andrade. I love both overs on this one. But let's talk about the breakdown side of things. I mean, Valentina, man, she's just the killer, absolute stone-cold killer in there. Um, I worry about finishing upside in this fight. Uh, we see two back-to-back five-round fights here where um, there doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, it's like 50-50 pretty much to go to the decision. This one is uh, sticking at minus 105 right now. And that's where of the three fights, I'm a little bit concerned about this one scoring tremendously. Well, I do see it being kind of a kickboxing match because Andrade does have that BJJ. Um, We saw her actually finish her opponent last time out with a body shot. So she does have power. It's definitely the the most difficult opponent that we've seen Valentina have to face. Um, But again, this is Valentina Sochenko. You're talking about she's got durability. She's got gas tank for days. She's got wrestling if she needs to go that route. Um, She's got just a pinpoint striking. And I think that's where she outclasses Andrade everywhere. I was struggling to see why the line was so damn wide on this fight when I first saw it on paper. But it makes sense. Valentina has her every single department. Andrade's X factor has to be uh, her heavy hands, her heavy striking. I just don't know if Valentina allows it to get to the range where uh, Andrade can push her against the cage, find these body shots, find these heavy hooks that she throws. Um, I I do think that uh, this fight does go to decision. That's why of the three fights, I have the least interest of all of them. Now let's talk about like, uh, you know, game theory standpoint, all these types of things. Andrade is in a situation where you're going to need her at at 6,700, Scoring points over five rounds is fine for us. Like cash games, we're happy all day long, right, Sean? But to win a GPP, she's not going to be a fighter that can win you a GPP, right? I mean, you're going to need those win points unless there was like 200 significant strikes, which I can't possibly see that happening. Um, I, I, I just think that Valentina wins five rounds here pretty clearly. And um, like I say, I still like the over on both of these fighters for their monkey night fight totals. It's because you have that baseline, um, five rounds. Both of these girls will strike. I think their their takedowns are negated, and um, it's it's the one that I'm probably not gonna be jamming in every single lineup because even if Valentina wins, um, it's, it's saying it's a plus one twenty five inside the distance. I, I don't even know if that's a true line because Valentina is kind of like her opponents need to come forward enough for her to just finish them. Like they, she's been dealt a lot of hands where. Fighters will just play right into our game plan. I think Andrade will fight a smart game plan, stay at range, try to strike at volume. And that's why I like both overs on this fight for the totals. Yep. And just so we double down on that, that is over 61 and a half strikes, significant strikes from both fighters in this fight. All right. Into the next fight, we have Welly Zhang versus Rose Namajunas. Uh, this one has the highest chance of the five rounders to be an upset. And both of their fights are generally fought 
at a really good pace. So Mike, I'll let you get into the monkey knife fight thoughts again, and then go into the DFS thoughts of this fight as well. Hey, there's a running theme. You give me five rounds and two women. I'm taking both overs, Sean. Give me the over on Wiley Zing, 83 and a half. That line should be 95. That is insane. She's just striking at, if she's got a, a fight where she can fight another woman on the feet for five rounds, this girl is putting out insane volume and she can do it and it's sustainable. She's got the gas tank. Rose Nami Yunus, give me the other side. Give me the over on that one, 81 and a half. Fantastic line on that one. We've seen her go five rounds in the past rows. And, um, you know, same thing. Uh, she, if she can't have that success taking her fighters down, she will have output on the feet and she can be sustainable. Johanna Jan Jacek, 105 strikes. That's in a decision win against her. Fantastic to see. That's what we like. Um, so I like both overs in this fight. Let's talk about the DFS side of things. I, I, I think this is really... To me, I always talk about X factors. This is the fight that has the X factor. Um, it's definitely going to the decision. Like I really think it is just like Vegas says uh, it, it's minus minus one thirty. both girls have been extremely durable. Um, Wiley's like I say, she's got the output for days. She will go in there and just let her hands fly. Um, the hundred percent takedown defense. She's just well-rounded in there. Um, she, I think Rose will struggle to take her down. She's just going to be lit up at every single inch that she tries to move in on uh, Wiley to take her down. You know, I think that, that people are saying uh, that's a path for Rose to win this fight is let's get that grappling. You know, she almost attempts two takedowns per 15 minutes. You know, you got 25 minutes. Maybe she's able to mix in a takedown late. I don't think so. I don't see it. Um, you know, again, she, Wiley things got almost six and a half significant strikes per minute. That's just, that's sustainable for this girl. She is so well-rounded. Um, remember the face that you, uh, Joanna Young Jacek had after uh, fighting Zhang? It was the hematoma was just, uh, it looked like one of the Goonies characters. It was that horrendous. I think she can do the same thing to Rose. I think she's going to piece her up on the feet. I don't see the finish. Again, she's, we've seen uh, Johanna taken out before, and, and Zhang just had her way with her for five rounds. That's why I think a ton of significant strikes are added up on this fight. And, you know, the X factor is really if takedowns are landed by either side, I would say. Uh, definitely 100% stack this fight in cash. This is a mortal lock, and I'm not even a cash guy. Uh, wink, wink, um, you know, the qualifier. Um, but you, you can't look away, you know. Five-round decision against Joanna, she put up 104 points. At 9K, that's fantastic for Wiley. Um I think win equity is going to come into play eventually at some point when, if the betting market continues to go towards Nami Yunus, she's going to be even more of a popular play. Um, I don't see a world where stacking this car, stacking this in a GPP makes any sense at all, because I still think that that striking keeps that uh, total down, you know, that overall upside. Um, that's why I like Zhang in this fight. I like her to win and pretty single-handedly. Um, uh, definitely, I, I think that I like her a little bit better than um, Valentina, which we just talked about. But Rose is definitely in play. Again, she she has the tools. She has a little bit more tools than Wiley, you know, with the grappling side of things. That um, I, I think she can win this fight. But uh, I, I like Wiley. It's hard to ignore her last fight, 100 points. You're getting a discount on that price. Definitely. All right, on to the last fight. We have Kamaro Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Uh, it's a weird fight where Usman is like a four to one favorite, but Masvidal is actually favored if it ends in the first round, which is unlikely. It's not expected to, but that's a super wide line 
to be a favorite for the underdog in the, the first round. So um, of the three main events, this is the least appealing one to me. Do you see anything differently there, Mike? Least appealing for Jorge. That's the big thing here. We saw these two guys fight before. Fight Island, late notice. Um, Jorge Masquidal comes in, saves the card. Um, did darn it, he didn't look that great. Uh, you know, I think that's why they're running it back. It makes no sense on paper. Why the heck do you have a guy who hasn't fought? And the guy defended his title already in Usman and looked fantastic. And Masquidal hasn't fought once since then. And he automatically gets the title uh, rematch. It makes no sense to me. He basically won one single round on one judge's card during that five-round fight, the original fight. And, you know, he had success in the feet. He hurt him early, I would say. He had some good strikes in the first round, and that's why the betting line. I mean, the betting line is just going to reflect exactly how the first fight went. First fight in five rounds, you'll never see, like, a guy like Usman's pace. This guy just comes forward. He's got hands for days, four and a half significant strikes per minute. He doesn't get hit, two, two and a uh, half basically per minute. And, uh, you know, he's the one doing the wrestling. He's got the extremely aggressive wrestling. Um, Usman in the first fight, 156.3 DraftKings points. Give me that all day. I think he's just, you know, the strongest player on the card, 9,400. Everybody and their mother are going to start their lineups with Usman. I really wonder about Masvidal because, like, what could he have been up to over these last, you know, basically a few months here recovering and, and coming back into this fight? Like how he, we know what he is. He's a striker. He's like a kickboxer boxer. He likes to get in there and trade. Usman's not going to allow him to do that. He's going to stick that jab out. He's going to keep him at range if he has to and have that volume. That's going to be scoring us points that we need. Uh, again, he's the strongest play on the whole entire card and he doesn't even have finish upside Sean. So that's how tricky this card is. Um, I don't know in a world where he doesn't nail a ton of takedowns again and he finds success there. He had five takedowns against Masvidal. And again, that limits any of Masvidal's upside. Um, you know, on a card like this, I wish I could stack all three main events. But, you know, again, when a guy like Masvidal is going to be blanketed perhaps for three rounds, um, that's not very good. Sorry, five rounds. That's not good at all. Um, so I, I think Usman is very clearly the best play on the card. Um, I don't know why you would fade him perhaps i mean i to be different in, inherently that makes sense but when a guy can absolutely uh his ceiling is even bigger than guys that can get a knockout in the first round sean a guy in a, uh, gets a knockout in the first round 100 points Usman, five rounds dominating from top position 156 how do you play a card like this i mean you're the gpp guy um it really does add a huge wrinkle because of this main event yeah, there's lots of different options, and I think we will see ownership be a bit more spread out than normal because there's not really any clear-cut, far-and-away best plays, uh, and there's just lots of ways to get different kinds of leverage in these spots. So I think that there could be quite a bit of differentiation going on this card. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. And and that's the big thing. I, I always like to run down the whole card as a whole uh, before we sign off here. You know, that top range, I'm not going to have as much Valentina as other people will, Sean. That's inherently different than people, right? Wouldn't you say people are going to say, okay, Valentina, Usman, Wiley. You can't even build a damn lineup if you go that route. That's why I immediately cross off Valentina. Let's look at Valentina's wins. She's actually in a third round, uh, scored 85. Carmouche, five-round decision, 74. So it's not like, you know, she's the one that's the most likely to bust of all three, and that's why I don't want to have a ton of her. Usman, strongest play on the card. Really don't have to go too crazy on that one. 
let's talk about these other ones. You know, Wiley, I think she's a fantastic play as well. I'll be starting a lot of my lineups with the Usman, Wiley, and then going from there because it just provides you so much floor. Um, let's talk about the Grant Zoo. Zoo has the strongest inside the distance. I'm probably going to go that route. If I'm going to be differentiating myself, uh, I'm going Grant, obviously. That's just, there's, he's got heavy hands. That makes sense. Crute another elite guy on a card like this. So, you know, inherently right away when I'm saying I like these plays, Sean, then you're immediately saying it's stars and scrubs lineups, right? I mean, nobody's going to be going mid round, uh, mid uh, builds on a card like this. There's just no way you can really do that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there's, it's going to be really difficult to pull something like that off. So I, I agree with that. And then let's just skip a couple more. You have the Carnalosis. That's insane value, right? I mean, it's 8,600 people are going to be starting the lineups with her. And then I really think that you win lineups based on this, this, this middle range, this Allen to Weidman Robertson. These are the fighters that are really going to decide a card like this. And it's crazy to say that when, you know, you have such big favorites and smash spots, but I love this card for a lineup building um, viewpoint. I don't think you, you have to have pieces of the five round. You can't just completely fade. That'd just be silly. But um, yeah, I, I, I look forward to seeing everybody in the free roll get your butts in there. We're going to be posting it uh, shortly in the discord. I'll be posting it throughout the weekend as well. Check out all of us in there too. I'll be active in there with everybody else. Um, again. Yeah. I love cards like this it, game theories. It, it, it's fun. It's really fun when you have to build a card like this. Definitely. Yeah. And so just to wrap up and to go over everything again, uh, everyone make sure you go to monkey night fight and use code grinder or Yep, code grinders. Sorry, grinders with an S. I had to double check on that. Um, and then you get $100 matched instantly with that deposit. So that's first. We'll have a listener's league. Mike's going to post that in the Discord as soon as we are done for recording this. And he'll be for DraftKings. And he'll be posting that throughout the weekend. Make sure you get in there. Uh, make sure you beat me this time. Because if I win a second one, whew, I wouldn't want to listen to next week's show if that happens. I, Mike definitely won't want to be on the next week's show. <laughs> If that happens, no, right, Mike? and he's going to be sleeping guys. So make sure you're, you guys are awake watching the damn fights. Um, and then, yeah, everyone else, uh, make sure you're following along in the discord. We'll have news and notes with anything that pops up, wh whether it's cancellations or anything that pops up. So Mike, anything else you want to add before this busy card and busy weekend? We nope, have nothing on. from my side. Um, good luck to everybody in the first round of the qualifier. Let's have some fun, you know, big prize pools out there. And I think we're only going to continue to grow. All right, then we will wrap it up for Mike. I am Sean. Good luck to everyone out there this weekend on this pay-per-view card. We'll see you next week. Good luck.